Eleven Dubcast. Welcome to the Eleven Dubcast, the last regular. I don't want to call it regular season because you know a lot of the seasons have come and gone, but this is the last regularly scheduled Dubcast for a while. Uh, we're going to be entering our off-season mode here shortly. But I'm Johnny Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. And I just want to. How are you doing tonight, Michael? Are you are you feeling very festive now that we've won yet another national championship? I'm feeling pretty mellow tonight. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm enjoying the fact that uh, finally a wrestling national championship at Ohio State. I'm enjoying four straight for Logan Steber, and I'm very much not uh, enjoying the two exits from the uh, NCAA basketball tournaments by the men and women's team. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, both of those exits were pretty stupid uh, for different reasons. But tell you what, let's talk about the fun stuff first. We can get into the complainy, whiny stuff here in a second, but I want to start off the dubcast on a positive note. Right. So let's talk about Logan Steber. Man, I don't know jack about wrestling. <laughs> you know, like that was a sport that I was too much of a wimp to ever get into. And... I got to tell you, I probably watched more wrestling in the past, I don't know, four or five days than I have watched in my entire life, at least non-Olympic wrestling. Uh-huh. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a very good time watching dudes just, like, grapple the crap at each other and, like, put each other's faces into the mat. Like, that was it was fun. Yeah. It was a good, it's good, clean Midwestern fun. I really enjoyed it. It was cool. Um, you know, like you, I, I probably watched more wrestling uh, this past week than than, you know, in my entire life combined. To that point, but I, the interesting thing is, and I'm like you, I don't know a whole lot about wrestling, but it looked like every time I went, "Ooh, that looks like it should be worth some points." It was, so I must, <laughs> I must have been doing something right. It's like, "Oh, that right. that looks like it's some points." Hey, another point. Um, I, I cannot confirm that uh, or deny that Logan Steber is a cyborg or a yeti, but he might be. He's a witch. He's, he's some kind of like he's like a cross between he's a cross between like a tall tail, like a tall American tail, like you know, uh, not Paul Bunyan. What's the other guy? Mike Finn, you know, uh-huh. or uh, what's the guy who lassoed a tornado? Um, <laughs> oh, Pecos hey, Bill. Pecos Bill. Pecos Bill. Yeah, yeah. he's he's kind of like a cross between like Pecos Bill or one of those guys like goes down the river or something, or you know, he's like an American tall tail crossed with you know one of the Terminators basically <laughs> because it like. He's amazing in how efficient he was. And again, I know nothing about wrestling, but what I will say is that watching his matches, you could tell that he is just leagues better than literally every other person who wrestles at around his weight class in the entire country, which is insane, right? Mm -hmm. Like usually if you have that many people who are doing something, the margin between like really good and the best isn't that great, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But Logan Stever is clearly so far and away that much better than everyone else who participates in that sport at that level. It's really kind of amazing to watch. I mean, he was dismantling dudes. And it's like, this is going to be an incredibly hyperbolic comparison, but I was thinking about it, you know, last week. Like Wayne Gretzky, right? Like you look at his statistics in hockey, mm-hmm. there's no, there's literally no one who's even in the same like universe as him and watching Logan Sieber, you know, wrestle dudes and just completely dominate people. It, it was really cool to watch. And it was pretty obvious that nobody was going to touch that guy uh, on his on route to his uh, fourth championship. I want to see him in the Olympics. I want to see that dude take on the world next because America clearly is not big enough for that guy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really curious to see where he goes from here. Yeah. The cool thing is here's a guy who showed up on campus and he won 
back-to-back national championships his uh, sophomore and or his freshman and sophomore year. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to put on some weight and do that again. It went to <laughs> right. more national championship. And that's exactly what he did. And, you know, four consecutive national championships, only fourth guy to ever do it. First guy, I think, ever to do it multiple times in two different weight classes. Um, you know, certainly an argument to be made that the greatest collegiate wrestler of all time. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, they like they're fond of saying at the wrestling program, right? Like, fewer people have have done this than have walked on the moon. So <laughs> this is a pretty big accomplishment. And in the Midwest, I mean, we still kind of treat wrestling as a as a niche sport, but it's not really in in places like Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota, like Great Lakes states, Midwestern states. This is a big deal. It's it's a really really big deal, and there's a lot of amazing talent, not just in the state of Ohio, but in other states as well for the sport. Mm-hmm. And it's a you know one of the things that I thought was really cool about watching it is definitely the format. Uh, ESPN, you know, ESPN rightfully gets a ridiculous amount of flack for some of the things that they do or don't do, and and like I said, a lot of it's justified. But their coverage was really sweet. I thought their commentators were excellent. I don't know why they brought in a bald one at a certain point, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, but it's, I love the round-robin style. I like the split screen where you've got two different matches going on at the same time, which is normally I would hate, but for some reason just heightens the tension somehow. Like, everything worked with that prod, with that broadcast. And it's not just Logan Stever. I mean, you know, Ohio State got other championships as well, and, you know, took on the team title and, you know, to rip it away from a team like, for instance, Iowa with that incredible tradition of success mm-hmm. wrestling. I thought that was that was pretty baller. That was pretty amazing. So, I'm, I'm man, I'm really proud of these guys. They, they did a great job. Yeah, the first time in school history to win a national championship is pretty special um, to witness that. What I think we need to do, Johnny, I think we need to get our listeners involved. Someone needs to do this. Someone with more skill than I have, which is not, you know, that, that's a pretty wide variety of people. Yeah. Somebody needs to take some, myself as well. Somebody needs to take some Logan Steber highlights from this national championship, and you know, cut them together in a video with the song "You're the Best Around" from the Karate Kid. <laughs> I was literally thinking about that. Like, like sweep the leg, guys. Like, like it was. I don't know. It's it's funny because that kind of situation really lends itself to that. I don't know. There's just so much tension, and it's a really. I don't know what I don't know how to say it. It's just one of those things in sports where it's classic, where you where you've got this, you know, it's imbued with all this emotion, and you know exactly where all the emotional beats are going to happen because you've seen this play out in movies uh-huh. and in real life so many times, and you just get so attached to it, and it's it's really cool to watch. I mean, one of the things that I will compare it to that's not like a crazy Wayne Gretzky, you know, analogy here is in the 2012 Olympics, the London 2012 Olympics. Kayla Harrison from my hometown of Middletown was, uh, she's a judoka, and she was uh, competing to be the first American, period, man or woman, to win a gold medal in judo. And she did it. She, But I, I just, you know, and she, like Logan Stever, dominated her opponent, uh, a British woman. Um, but it was the same kind of thing where you're like, you got like Mr. Miyagi running through your head and like doing the crane. And you're like, come on, man, like do it. You know, wax on, wax off, just win it for America. And it's, it gets you pumped up. And even if you're not familiar with the sport, it's a really great, awesome thing to watch and experience. And I'm glad we got to uh, this past weekend. It was, it was pretty sweet. I, I was really, really happy about it. Indeed. And uh, let's do it again. Cause we have some freshmen that, uh, 
did very, very well in the tournament as well. Yeah. Uh, Snyder made it to the finals, and Tomasello, I think, is a, a, a freshman. Yeah, Tomasello. And, and he, he won it. So, hey, let's get two in a row. Let's let's make it a repeat. Yeah, I was really excited about it. So that, that was great. That was awesome. Uh, congratulations again to the wrestlers. I mean, you guys you know deserve all the accolades that we can possibly give you. Uh, two teams that maybe don't deserve those accolades and, and won't get them because they lost are the basketball teams, both men's and women's. Uh, you know, we, we haven't forgot about the women's basketball team. They were supposed to make a little more noise than they did, but that kind of seems to be a theme for both them and, I guess, maybe the men's the past couple of years. Yeah, but don't, I don't know. How, no, let's talk about the women first because what happened okay. to them this year was unbelievable with the injury situation. They were that, decimated. That's, that's fair. Uh, that is true. And not only were they decimated by injuries, but then they had to play in the second round on the road, a, a true road game at North Carolina. Right. Fell behind Which by 23 points. 23 points down, came all the way back and tied it twice. And legitimately yeah. could have an argument that uh, should have been shooting free throws uh, after North Carolina right. took the lead late with the you know kids running out on the floor. Uh, mm. So, um, you know, you got to at least, yeah, maybe it was really terrible that they fell behind by 23 points, but... A uh, heck of a comeback by them and, and, you know, showed great determination and grit to fight back and get back in that game. Uh, whereas the the men did just kind of the opposite, kind of hung around against Arizona <laughs> the first half and, like, trailed by one at the half and then just completely lost the plot in the second half. Well, I mean, look, if you've got your best player who's shooting just, like, horribly and not making anything, and to be fair, I mean, teams are keying on – it was really kind of funny to watch the last, you know, maybe four or five games of the year because <laughs> the entire game plan was just don't let D'Angelo shoot the ball or have any good look whatsoever. And, of course, he's still going to shoot it, right, because he's D'Angelo Russell and yeah. that's what he does. But he was getting no looks. He was double teamed on literally every play. And, again, I'm not going to make a ton of apologies for him, but I can kind of understand why he had a poor shooting night. I mean, that was literally the entire game plan. Don't let D'Angelo beat you try to make other people beat you. And Amir Williams is not putting up 13 points every game. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think, you know, one like a, one win and then a loss I think is pretty much exactly, if you had asked me what was going to happen in, uh, you know, early February to this team in the tournament, I would have said that. I would have said maybe they'll win the first one. They're definitely losing the second one. And so I think we got what we thought we would get. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know that I'm angry about it, but I am really, really looking forward to next year to see what the team looks like because yeah. it's going to look super different. Well, let's talk, too, about Thad Mata, who came in with a really good game plan, and it was working for a while, and then yeah. Arizona started hitting some shots from outside and kind of right. got some separation, and, and that was all she wrote. But, uh, you know, I think... And, and I, to be fair, Arizona's an excellent yeah, team. Yes, a very I mean, good team. They are a very, very good and team. And Thad, you know, if Thad... That takes his lumps from the fans because, I don't know, the self-entitlement, I guess. But um, sure. I, I think he doesn't get credit enough for, for being a good coach. His one area of weakness, I think, and we could talk about this a little bit if you want to, is his loyalty to some assistants who are underperforming in terms of developing players. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. I'm really, I want to hear your rant on this. Well, particularly the big on. men. I mean, we haven't had really a developed we haven't really developed a big man in a while. I mean, Jared Sullinger came in and was playing out of position and was really great for two years. Right. Greg Oden came in and was great for his one year. But other than that, you know, Thad's, Thad's big men 
have not developed. And my understanding is that uh, Coach Dickerson is in charge of developing uh, the centers, but um, they have not developed. And in fact, you know, when you get uh, you get McDonald's All Americans who seem to not only not only not develop, but in some ways regress as they go. Right. Um, maybe it's time to look a little bit elsewhere because it's not like, you know, I mean, these guys are pretty good recruiters too, but maybe it's time to shake things up a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, and here's the thing that he's lost a lot of, you know, assistance in the past and like really good ones. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like really, really like the guy he just lost to. Exactly. (laughs) And, And that's the thing. Like I don't, you know, I think we have this perception sometimes of basketball being, you know, basketball coaching being where you got this one singular guy and it all runs through him, but the assistants still matter. And that Mata has definitely lost some guys who I think can prop him up a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe not literally, but that's the other thing that I want to talk about. I mean, the guy, you know, I don't want to, I can't speculate on this. I really can't. But what I will say is that that Mata's health, concerns definitely limit him and I think he would be the one you know first person to say that in some ways and I think that makes his assistance more important maybe than with other uh head coaches and as a result of that they definitely take on you know probably more responsibility and and maybe more uh uh importance than in like you know Mike Krzyzewski or something like that so I you know I don't know how much development happens in college sometimes. I mean, there are some players like Kaminsky, for example, at Wisconsin, who has clearly gotten significantly better mm-hmm. at his time at Wisconsin. On the other hand, there are some guys who are just amazing right out the gate, and that's their game, and their game doesn't really change that much for a couple of years. But, you know, I, I just think it's situational. I think they just struck out on the senior class. I don't, you know, that's a really crappy thing to say, especially when guys have been in a program for four years, but... Clearly, this was an overrated class that did not really live up to expectations, and I think you can put that on both the coaches and the players. I don't think that's a singular thing. Yeah, and and so. the re- and the recruiting services and the scouts, because look at what happened. I mean, yeah. you, had, you had two McDonald's All Americans out of the three, and and the third was deemed the best athlete probably available, you know, in that class. So right. in Sam Thompson. So you know, you got you got three guys there that probably were were supposed to do much better than they did and again you can't put it all it's on it's on the players and it's on the coaches and sometimes guys don't pan out usually you don't get three guys that don't pan out but uh you know you need guys who are going to become something like you know maybe they weren't anything their first year maybe they turn into a david lighty type or something like that that's where that's where i'm thinking you know we've talked about jay sean tate before and i think jay sean tate could have that kind of trajectory right um remember how terrible john dealer was his first year (laughs) <laughs> Guys should get better. They should. Um, yeah. When they, and I think Shannon Scott, in a lot of ways, did get better. But I don't think that I think Sam Thompson was more or less the same player as a senior that he was as a sophomore, and Amir Williams was maybe better as a freshman than he was as a senior. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and sometimes it's also expectations, right? Like some people are expected to take on different roles or bigger roles, and then they don't live up mm-hmm. to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that, and I think that's, I think that's part of it as well. So, you know, next year again is going to be significantly different. Bringing a lot of new kids, it's going to be all different. Probably no D'Angelo, uh, or yeah, D'Angelo Russell. Um, some people are saying maybe he'll stay. I don't think so. <laughs> I think he's going to get a giant goofy check from the NBA, and he is going to peace out. And he would be silly not to. 
But, you know, crazier things have happened, like a national championship winning quarterback turning down possibly millions of dollars, you know, on the strength of a couple games. So I don't know. You know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so that that's that's basically it. I mean, that that's kind of uh, breaking it down. We're going to talk a little spring football here in a little bit. But before we get to that, let's do Ask Us Anything. Yay. You guys have asked us anything and everything, and we would like to answer those things. So, Michael, could you please tell our dear listeners how to ask us anything? Hit us up on the Twitters at 11dubcast. Spell it all out. E-L-E-V-E-N-D-U-B-C-A-S-T. Don't forget the little at symbol before it. That's yes. at 11dubcast on Twitter. You can also email us on that electronic mail, that newfangled electronic mail you're hearing so much about these days. And that is dubcast at 11warriors.com. There you go. All right, so we've got some questions here, some from our good friends at 11warriors.com, I, you know, <laughs> that, that plucky little website that could. Uh, our first one is from our good friend Vico. Uh, Vico wants to know, don't you hate pants? Yes. Yes, I do. I hope he tells us to burn our pants. <laughs> yes, I, you know. You know, do you get this reference, I live, Michael? I live in Florida. So let me just uh, say that I do hate. You don't pants. get this reference. I, I do hate pants. I'm taking this. I'm taking this question seriously, Johnny. As we should take all ask us anything questions. Okay. And I will just tell you that as a Floridian, I am in shorts as much as I can be. Don't like the pants. I brought extra pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. There's a Simpsons episode, right? Um, and in the Simpsons episode. Uh, Krusty becomes like kind of a, a street comedian, you know, where he's like telling the truth mm-hmm. and he goes to a club and he's like saying all these things and Homer like gets real into it and he, he wants to burn his, like he wants to get rid of his pants. So he brings extra pants <laughs> and, uh, one of the things that he yells is like, don't you hate pants? And then he turns to somebody's like, I hope that he tells us to burn our pants. <laughs> Because earlier, because in an earlier set, Krusty had burned a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill or something like that. Uh, so I hope he tells us to burn our pants. All right, uh, Lucas Denny at Lucas Denny wants to know: Could Ohio Stadium be used as an Olympic Games main stadium? What do you think, Michael Citro? I might be biased, but I think the horseshoe could be used for any good purpose under the sun. So not the Olympics. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, I think it could be used as a Main stadium in the Olympics to watch Logan Stieber dominate the world. That'd be sweet. I mean, I would look. I would watch the World Wrestling Championships, right? I would. Yeah. I would watch that at the at the Olympic, or excuse me, at, at the Ohio Stadium. But I gotta tell you something, man. Like, I am get. I, I love the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. I think they're a great spectacle. But the prospect of the Olympics being anywhere near a place that I would call home or live sounds absolutely god awful like so okay so the next ohio or the next united states bid for the olympics is i believe boston in 2024 and you know people are always already drawing up plans and saying we're like some of the things would happen and you know what the venues they would have to use or create and the billions of dollars that are involved in doing the olympics and whatnot is just it's ridiculous, and usually places that host the Olympics receive no net gain from doing it. In fact, most of them operate at a loss, which is really insane when you're dealing with a project that costs $5, 10 $12, 15000000000 billion. 
So I, you know, look, I, I love the Olympics, but I want them to be far, far away from me. Ideally, not in places governed by crazy dictators, right? Yeah, or yeah. places with incredible human rights abuses. But you know, <laughs> put it in a nice country, a nice, safe, happy country. Put it in New Zealand or something. I don't know. Everybody likes New Zealand. There's nothing wrong with New Zealand, right? They got a pretty good record of being cool bros. So put it in a country yeah. that's nice, but far away or, from there. Or maybe even Canada, so it's in the same time zone, so we don't have to get up at a weird time to watch stuff. Canada would be great. Yeah. I would love that. Like, host it in Toronto, even. How about that? Host it in Toronto. I'm in Columbus. It's far enough away for me for, you know, none of that to actually affect me, but if I go crazy somehow and decide I want to, like, try to jaunt up there and see what's going on, I can do that without it really personally being my problem. Yeah. So I would, I would enjoy that. But, Lucas, to answer um, your question, I don't think so because it doesn't, it doesn't have um, enough room for uh, an Olympic-sized track, I don't believe, anymore. Yeah, it can't – yeah, it wouldn't be able to do that. There's, there's a lot of problems with Ohio Stadium hosting that kind of thing. Uh, if anything, it would just host like the opening ceremonies. But the problem is, is that usually is a multi-purpose stadium that does do track and field, and we can't do that anymore. So, you know, that's that's what we get for improvements, for massive improvements, I guess. And adding so, seats. And adding seats, which you know, I don't know that they're necessarily done with that. I think they're going to still think of ways to cram people into the stadium, if if you ask me. Um, all right, next question is from our again our own very very inquisitive Nicholas Jervy. Uh, from Living Warriors. Michael, what are your WrestleMania 31 picks? And what are you going to do when Axelmania runs wild on you? I actually don't know what that is, but... Yeah, I don't know what the second know. part I... means, but here's here's what's going to happen in WrestleMania 31. It's going to be the best WrestleMania ever. Why? I, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> the, whoever is the, the reigning bad guy, and I don't even know who that is because, you know, I don't watch this crap anymore. It used to be really good, but now it's kind of crap. Um, yeah, I, I said it. I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. I'll, I'll own that. Anyway, whoever the reigning bad guy is going to be like uh-huh. kicking the crap out of the reigning good guy in the, yeah. in the championship bout. And uh-huh. out of nowhere, Ric Flair comes in and be, it just pins <laughs> them both. Decrepit Ric Flair. Right. The nature boy. Saggy. You want to beat the man. You want to be the man. You got to beat the man. Woo. I don't even know they can go woo anymore. I think you can just go <laughs> Well, he'd wheeze it. Um, but you know what? He's still cooler than most of the wrestlers of today. Dude, they're all old. Like, on the uh, look, I love The Undertaker. When I was a kid, The Undertaker was the bomb diggity. The Undertaker is 50 years old. <laughs> that dude is five zero years well, old. He is old so now. Old. Even Goldberg's getting up there. I know. And here's the thing. Like, I, I still enjoy the spectacle of wrestling. I just, you know, it's it's entertaining to me uh, in short, small amounts. I think I, I don't think I could sit and watch, you know, Monday Raw or whatever, like for an hour or two hours. I don't think I have the patience for that. Yeah. Yeah. But if a dude that I think is a good entertainer and is really athletic and stuff and maybe not even athletic, just a good entertainer, because my all time favorite wrestler is, is uh, Mick Foley who is maybe one of the most, you know, one of the least athletic wrestlers in WWE history. Uh, But, you know, if you're a good entertainer and you're fun to watch, then I'll watch it, you know. And I kind of miss the days of Mick Foley, but, man, that dude put his – he put his literal life on the line for for that job. So I think that's pretty cool. I don't know. I'm – tell you what, I I want – Nick, I want to do right by you in this question. I pulled up – the WrestleMania matches. We got nine matches here. Okay, so right. the first one is a read them a to me, and, and I'll give you my picks too. 
All right, okay, so we got a fatal four-way tag team match for the WWE Tag Team Championship. I have no idea what the hell that means. Uh, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, Los Matadores with El Torito, uh, The New Day. <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a boy band it does, for me. It totally does. Uh, and the Usos or Usos, I don't know. Who do you think? Uh, the, I always love the Luchadors. Yeah, I'm gonna the say Los, Los Matadores Matador. are winning. Yeah, all right, let's do it. And they're gonna um, and they're gonna backstab their partners. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, okay, singles match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, that's Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I don't know who Roman Reigns is. Brock Lesnar is a failed MMA fighter who was just a big, gross dude in the WWE before he became the crappy MMA fighter. <laughs> uh, okay, Brock Lesnar's name always reminds me of the Lochnar. From the heavy metal okay. movie, you know. But he's also about? from Canada. Um, I don't know. I I think Lesnar wins this one just because no one knows who the other guy is. Uh, Roman Reigns. I just looked him up. Roman Le- Reigns <laughs> looks like a guy from either Menudo or Millie Vanilli. So I'm going with Brock uh, just because he looks a little scarier. Uh, singles match: Sting versus Triple H. Uh, Triple H. Duh. Come on, that's obvious. Taking Sting here in an upset. Really? Yeah, upset. Yeah, it's my upset special. <laughs> That's terrible, though. Sting's awful. Sting is just terrible. Uh, Fifty-six years old, by the way. It's not. It's not the guy who sings uh, sang the Soul Cages, right? It's not. And if that were the case, uh, I would definitely put my money on Sting. Uh, but unfortunately, it's the guy with the stupid face paint. Yeah. Um, there's the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale. I have no idea who's in that. Oh wait, no, I take that back. The Miz, Curtis Axel, Ryback, Fandango, Adam Rose, Zack Ryder, Jack Swagger, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, Big Show, Kane, Eric Rowan, Damon, Damian Mizdow, Sin Cara, Gold Dust, Heath Slater, Mark Henry, Connor, Victor, and I guess somebody else. Uh, the Big Show. Yeah, Big Show's winning. In, a, in, a, in an upset, the Big Show wins it. Big Show's winning. Uh, okay, ladder match. Oh, sweet. Ladder matches are great. Uh, Bad News Barrett, R-Truth, Dean Ambrose, Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, and Daniel Bryan. I'm going to pick Stardust because that reminds me of um, the uh, the X-Men, uh, <laughs> the X, well, yeah, one of the members of the X-Men from the 70s and 80s, uh, Shattered? No. Oh, shoot. What was her name? She was basically like the disco X-Man. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Stardust. How about that? Taking Dean Ambrose here. Okay, Dean Ambrose. All right, that's, that's a Civil War general, Dean Ambrose. Um, all right, singles match for the WWE United States Championship. Rusev and John Cena. John Cena's going to win just because he's John Cena. Yep. Yeah. They're, ca- they're uh, kowtowing to this guy anymore. I know. Uh, tag team match. And, and to be fair, he's a great guy. I'm not I'm not going to hate on John Cena. After I found out about all the charity work and stuff and how genuinely nice he seems to be, I'm going to go with John Cena. Um, also, he was in the Parks and Recreation uh well, he wasn't in the finale, but he was in, like, the next Alex episode, so good for him. Uh, tag team match, AJ Lee and Paige versus the Bella Twins. I don't know. Bella Twins? Sure, fine. I think Bella Twins are going down. Wow, okay. That's that's really uh, that's really controversial. How dare you go first. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, single, there are two s- singles matches to close it out. we got The Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt. Screw that, The Undertaker. Undertaker. Come on. Uh, and then Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins. I don't know who that is. I'm going with Randy Orton because I like Randy Orton. here's a who and wins this thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's there the you thing, go. John, hey. Here's the thing about wrestling before we get off this topic. 
Where the hell are the personalities like they used to be? You know, well, and that's the thing. Like, I love The Undertaker, right? Like, the Undertaker and Mick Foley are definitely my top two. And, of course, The Rock was fun to watch. And, uh, God, I mean, Look at the like personalities the, in, the old, in the old days. Look at the personalities. Look at the Hulk. Look at, sure. look at Macho Man, yeah. Randy Savage. Look at the Ultimate Warrior and Ric Flair and people like that. Right. Personality. Yeah. Nowadays, you know, personality is who? CM Punk? You know why? Here's here's what I here's my honest to god opinion. This is not me BSing. Here's my honest to god opinion, and I, I like that we spent more time on fake wrestling than than real wrestling. <laughs> at this point. But uh, here's what I think. I think it's the Ed Hardyfication of professional wrestling. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like the is it Ed Hardy or whatever the the thing is with the crappy shirts with the the stupid tribal crap on the. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. All right, well, anyway, the stupid crappy shirts with the tri- – that's basically what all these wrestlers are trying to be. They're trying to be, like, like cool, like, punk, or, like, cool, like, I'm a badass, and that kind of thing. And instead of, like, developing a neat persona, they're basically just trying to be the coolest guy in the room. And that's not how you be an entertaining wrestler. Mick Foley was the least he – was, he was, the like, the, the absolute least cool guy in the room. By far, right? His character is Cactus Jack, which makes no sense. Uh, Dude Love, which is the most ridiculous concept. One of the most ridiculous concepts in wrestling history. He's like a hippie, but he's a disco guy for some reason. <laughs> like That kind of stuff is what makes wrestling fun, because it's obviously fake, but they're also incredible athletes. So it's fun to... It's supposed to be fun, and I think they're trying to make it less fun. They're trying to make it more dramatic and less fun. And that's why guys like... Randy Savage and Ultimate Warrior aren't around anymore because they were fun, right? Yeah. Like, they were the silly part of wrestling, and I feel like wrestling has lost that. Axel, Jim Duggan, and guys like that. Yeah, like, and not, like, stupid, like, shame, like, I don't know, they had some, like, uh, little person, you know, and they kind of made fun of him because he's a little person, ha, ha, ha. That's not fun, all right? That's just, like, mean. That's, like, that's, like, laughing. That's, like, the... That's discriminatory. I have opinions about this. <laughs> wrestling is at its best when it's inclusive and goofy, not like mean spirited and like, ah, that's stupid or something like it should be fun. It should be fun for everybody. Everybody should want to see WrestleMania, not a bunch of like jacked up guys in Ed Hardy shirts or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like everybody should want to do it. It should be cool, but in a goofy, silly way. And I don't, I think they've lost that a little bit. All right. So we got one last question here before we get out of here. Um, this is from level six sports, uh, air wolf or blue thunder. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with Blue Thunder here. I, I, I feel Ooh. like you're going to go with Airwolf. I'm going to go with Blue Thunder. I am going to go with Airwolf, um, <laughs> in part because of the way that series ended uh, in the most ridiculous way possible. Well, my favorite thing uh, about Jan Michael Vincent, though, was he was in a movie, a Disney movie called The World's Greatest Athlete. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that one? I've heard of it, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. I've seen some clips. That's pretty great. <laughs> Uh, you know what? You really can't go wrong with either one, but I, I personally just lean a little more towards Airwolf. Wasn't Wilford Brimley in Airwolf? I don't recall. I think, hang on, I gotta look He might have been eating his Quaker Oats at that time, I don't know. Well, because here's the thing, like, the reason why it's either Airwolf or some other, um, or some other series, but it basically ends with, like, I think it's, like, Wilford Brimley's character just getting blown. Oh, it's Ernest Borgnine. Borgnine. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was Ernest Borgnine. Blown up (laughs) is basically what happened. (laughs) 
and it's really awesome. So, like, I guess he quits or something, and they basically just shot him from be like they shot a stunt double from behind, and then he like blows up or something at one point. <laughs> it's really funny. I think that's Airwolf. If that's not Airwolf, then I'm going with uh, the other one. I'm going with Blue Thunder. Um, anyway, that doesn't really answer the question, but you know, it's it's you know. Well, I was going to say it's a dumb question, but there are no dumb questions. No, you can ask us literally anything. That's right. There, there are no dumb questions. And you know what? I got I to gotta give the question the respect that it deserves. There are no so, dumb questions on Ask Us Anything, only dumb answers. That's right. <laughs> and there are lots of those. <laughs> so anyway, that's Ask Us Anything. Thank you again for writing in and tweeting in and whatnot. And, and even though we're going to it on a regular schedule, please continue to do that. We love them. And, and I'll tell you what, in the long, dark... Uh, tea time of the off season. I really would appreciate you guys writing in so we get stuff to talk about in the event that nothing happens, which fingers crossed will be the case. All right, joining us tonight, we're very lucky to have Adam Rittenberg from ESPN covers the Big Ten. Thank you so much for coming on tonight, man. You bet, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I want to tell you something. Okay, so before uh, I started recording, one of the things that we looked up was the last time you were on the Dubcast, which was right before the Big Ten Championship game. And <laughs> one of the things that we talked about was, like, can Ohio State prepare for Wisconsin? Will they be ready? Will they be successful? And I guess the first thing that I want to ask you, we're going to get to, like, spring football here in a second, but the very first thing that I want to ask you is, how were you as surprised as we were <laughs> the way those last three games kind of transpired? Absolutely, and especially the first one. I mean, and that's the one when you talk to people around the country – and I, I recently did a, a story on, on Urban Meyer and talking to former National Coach of the Year winners about the job he did. They all pointed yeah. to that Wisconsin game. That was the one that shocked the system. And it really shocked the system for the committee because I don't think they had Ohio State in you know, going into that game. And, and for them to win so impressively and so surprisingly, um, that was the one that, that really set the tone. And you know, I thought they would be competitive in, in the Alabama game but still lose just because of Alabama and it's just Cardale's second second start, and then I, I had a good feeling that they would win in the championship game because of what we'd seen in the first two. But the, the Wisconsin game, because Wisconsin has been playing so well, especially on defense, um, and obviously playing for a league championship against a team that has just lost its starting quarterback, uh, I, I really thought they, they they'd have a great chance to win that game. And as we saw, they weren't even on Ohio State's level. Yeah, Adam, I want to turn our attention to that team up north for a second. And um, I'm hearing two different things right now. I'm hearing from one camp, I'm hearing that uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to make them instant contenders uh, because they've got like, so much talent that's been recruited over the last <laughs> few years. And then I'm hearing another group saying that the cupboard's bare up there. He's going to take three years to rebuild this team. Which is it? I think it's somewhere in between. Probably not the answer that you want kind of political answer, but I think it is somewhere <laughs> in between. And honestly, guys, you talk to different coaches around the Big Ten, as I have, and you'll get different opinions. Uh, I had a, a, a coach from a, a neighboring school say that, you know, the talent there is as strong as it is almost anywhere in the Big Ten, and NFL scouts relay that same opinion. You know, there, there was another uh, head coach in the Big Ten, even before last season, that told me that he, he would, he'd rather play Michigan than Minnesota. You know, which kind of shows you know, <laughs> what he thought of their talent level. So it does vary, and I think that they're, uh, they have a chance to be better in certain areas, um, but I don't see a whole lot at receiver, and, and obviously quarterback is a major question. So while I think the offensive line could be better, um, could be more serviceable, 
I still don't see a team that's going to put up a ton of points on a regular basis. And so um, and, and their schedule, guys, is not easy. They're opening at Utah, a very physical, tough Utah team that, um, you know, was, was maybe a, a silly play away from beating Oregon last year. Uh, I think they have BYU as well in non-conference. Oregon State, Gary Anderson is familiar with, uh, with Michigan. And then, obviously, the Big Ten schedule. You know, they do get Ohio State and Michigan State both at home. But um, I, I still don't think this is a team that's uh, yet ready to contend. I think it's going to take at least another year for Harbaugh to get Michigan in that position, especially uh, given how tough the division is. Do you think there is a team that might be ready to contend this year that maybe people are sleeping on a little bit? I mean, like maybe, say, Minnesota. Well, well, right. I mean, you know, it's just uh, you just look at the, at the two divisions, and I think the the West is so open. Um, you know, with Wisconsin and Nebraska both making head coaching changes, uh, Minnesota is a team that you know was was right there on the edge of the top twenty-five for most of last year, and they've made some significant strides under Jerry Kill. But they need to start beating teams that that are contenders. You know, they they've kind of fattened up on the on the middle and bottom of the conference. Um, so now the next step is to start. Uh, you know, beating some of these uh, annual challengers, namely the Wisconsin Badgers, who have beaten them, I, I think, 11 or 12 straight times. So, so those are the, the measuring stick games for Minnesota. And we know they're going to be pretty solid on defense with uh, Tracy Clay and the job he does, really underrated defensive staff. We know they can run the football. They have a lot of different options at running back. But the passing game has been you know, a significant weakness, and they lost Max Williams to, to the NFL draft at tight end. Uh, so who's going to emerge there? receiver for Minnesota, and can Mitch Leidner take the next step in his development at quarterback? So those are all questions um, that I think you know, you know, they need to answer if they want to be a contender, even in a weaker West division. So what about Michigan State? Have they peaked, or, or is uh, D'Antonio going to have them right in the mix again this year? Yeah, I don't really get this talk about, you know, have they peaked. I mean, I, I get it in a historical sense that they've had a hard time sustaining but i think that this program isn't going anywhere guys i mean they they you know they continue to recruit well they continue to develop well and i know pat narduzzi uh, is a big loss on the coaching staff but it's one that michigan state had prepared for for a number of years and they still have a lot of continuity um, on that staff just looking at their depth chart they came out with a spring depth chart um, earlier today and their defensive line um, reminds me a lot of, of what ohio state had coming into last year you know, a group that had so much depth, a nice mix of veteran, um, uh, solid veterans like Shalik Calhoun and some young guys like Malik McDowell, that if, all, if everything comes together, they could be one of the best defensive lines in the country, just like Ohio State was arguably the nation's best defensive line last year. You know, Connor Cook is back at quarterback, has a chance to finish as one of the most, uh, uh, probably the most decorated quarterback in, in team history if he, if he strings together another big season. So I, I don't think Michigan State's going anywhere anytime soon you know clearly uh they have more competition in the state now with harbaugh as michigan tech coach but uh, but they've built something that i think is there to stay at least um in the eight nine win range if not in the uh, contending for a division or for league titles every year see i think we're like we're so wedded to sparty no that we really just don't want to give it up you know <laughs> like we just keep waiting for them to like slide back so we can just like ah sparty um so one of the other things that I wanted to ask you was, you know, spring ball, this is one of the things we've been talking about is how useful is it? What is the utility of spring ball in general? What team do you think in the Big Ten is going to benefit the most from these spring practices? 
You know, I, I think there's a couple, but I'll start off with Northwestern, uh, mainly because last year they basically got nothing out of spring practice uh, because, you know, there was so much uh, uh, going on with the unions, the union uh, debate and so much right. away from the field. I mean, coaches have flat out said we didn't get our work in. We couldn't coach right. Um, we, we had a combination of injuries, and that basically was a wasted spring. So I look at the teams that really need it, the teams that have to develop at certain positions, I think Iowa, it's a really important spring for them uh, as, they, as they move to a new starting quarterback, and they're a program that's sort of been going the wrong direction. And obviously the, the teams that have new coaches, Michigan, clearly an important spring. You know, I think Nebraska with Mike Riley um, bringing in a, a dramatically different offense, guys. I mean, we all grew up with Nebraska running to some version of the wishbone option. That's not happening anymore. It's a pro-style system. Their offensive coordinator came from the, the New York Giants. Uh, Coach Eli Manning last year, so it, it's a pretty dramatically uh, different situation uh, in, in Nebraska. And then at, at Wisconsin, even though Paul Chris is a familiar name, um, he's still a new coach and, and has some work to do there. So anytime you have a new coach um, and, and you're looking at maybe a quarterback competition, um, I, I think that's uh, that's a, a, a it puts an extra emphasis on on spring practice. So let me ask you, if, you know, who you're going to buy and who you're going to sell here in, in some of these teams that were. A little disappointing last year. Um, Northwestern, Indiana, Iowa, Purdue. Uh, although I thought Purdue under Hazel made a little bit of a of a jump. Who are you buying and who are you selling in that group? Well, um, you know, Indiana is, is so close to turning a corner. I think, um, but historically, just they've been so bad on defense now for you know more than two decades. I think offensively, they're going to have a lot of firepower if they can stay healthy at the quarterback position. They still have an underrated offensive line. They, they brought in a transfer from UAB at running back who was ranked in the top ten nationally in rushing to replace Tevin Coleman. So uh, if they can just be decent on defense, and that's been a lot to ask for Indiana. You know, They're a team that uh, I think does face uh, some pressure to get to a bowl game to keep their head coach in place. Um, I, I think Northwestern's interesting. You know, they, they've, they've, they've recruited – at a higher level in recent years, but haven't necessarily gotten the results. And they had a bizarre year last year. They only won five games, but three of those wins came against Wisconsin, Penn State, and Notre Dame, two of them on the road. So it wouldn't shock me if they at least got back into that six, seven, eight win range. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith right now in Purdue because they, they just haven't uh, shown anything yet in the Big Ten under Daryl Hazel. Maybe this is the year that they're able to show a little bit more of a, of a pulse and, and Iowa, I also don't have a good feeling about that program right now, the way things have been going uh, the past three or four years. So, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you a little bit about Ohio State. I mean, obviously this is kind of a, an interesting spring in the sense that not everything is settled, especially one of the most important positions on the team. But on the other hand, you're not going to really get a whole lot of information about that right now. So what do you think the goal should be for Urban Meyer and company uh, in, eight, in March and April? Again, we're talking to some of those former National Coach of the Year uh, winners who had won national championships. And they made some good points, and Mac Brown uh, brought up just, just the ability to keep your team hungry when you have a lot of guys back from a team that won the national championship and really should be a better team on paper, guys, than the one that we were evaluating <laughs> at this time last year. Um, yes! They, they, they're going to the White House. They're getting their championship rings. Those right. are hard things for a coach to, to have happen and then keep your, your players hungry. Now, Urban is maybe the best in the country at, at, at fueling that competition and, and making people um, on edge. 
and, and, and preventing that complacency from setting in. So that's really kind of the macro thing that's going on with Ohio State. You know, some of the smaller things, obviously quarterback isn't a small thing, but uh, you know, getting as much information as you can out of a spring where really only one uh, of the candidates is fully healthy, that's you know, going to be important. I think linebacker building some depth there. Um, we, you know, Darren Lee's emergence at the end of last year was really encouraging. Uh, you know, Raquan McMillan's a guy that I know um, a lot of people are excited about his potential, but they don't right now on paper look like a group that can go, you know, four or five or six deep, and that's what you want to have at the linebacker spot. They should once again be very good on the defensive line, and I think the secondary should also be good. So there's not a whole lot of uh, glaring holes on the roster right now, but I think it's just generally keeping this team as hungry as it was from the point, uh, you know, point J.P. Barrett went down last year uh, through that remarkable run to a national championship. You know, aside, aside from the, the obvious the quarterback uh, situation, what's the biggest thing or who, who's the biggest deal to replace or who's the toughest to replace, Devin Smith, Michael Bennett, or Duran Grant? Yeah, I mean, all, it's all three really great players, and you know, I, I, as great as Devin Smith was, you know, he he did he did one thing really well, and I think Ohio State will be able to find someone else to stretch the field. It's always really hard, guys, to replace an interior lineman uh, who did as much as Michael Bennett did over the course of his career, and he was really durable. I mean, he I, I can't remember if he ever uh, missed a whole lot of time, and that's very important at that position that he was able to remain in the game, remain on the field for three downs. And so that, that's definitely a, a hole to, to, to fill on the defensive line. I still think it's going to be a, a good group, maybe not as good as last year, but uh, I would say that position is always the hardest to replace with those three. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking a little spring football with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, that's Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, writes about the Big Ten. And and thanks for coming on, man. We'll have to have you on before the season starts. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me again. Thanks again to Adam Rittenberg for joining us on the 11 Dubcast tonight. I always enjoy talking to Adam Rittenberg. Very informative, cool dude. Just just great at his job. Like I I think it's just a really cool resource that we have uh, to be able to bring on guys like that to the Dubcast. So I think that's neat. Yeah, he was good. Um, yeah, he was, and, and as always, he's a very professional dude. So the one thing that I wanted to ask you as we're about to get out of here, I just gave you some breaking information, Michael Citro, some things that is very pertinent to your life, which is that the X-Files are returning to television for six episodes. Yes. Okay? With the original cast, Gillian Anderson, David Coveney, Gillian Anderson, whatever, I don't know. Uh <laughs> For six episodes, which is I'm, I'm going to watch all of them and I'm going to try to burn them into my brain pan. And the question that I have for you, Michael Citro, is twofold. First of all, what is your favorite episode of The X-Files? And secondly, what mystery would you like uh, Mulder and Scully to solve in these six episodes? Uh, you know, I, I really like the, the whole mythology of the show and I really enjoyed the whole thing about the black oil and okay. um, I, I think this the episode I liked the best uh, was called Piper Maru. Ooh, okay. Uh, a, a classic episode, and it, and it was part of the mythology, uh, you know, series. Um, as for what topic I would like to see them tackle, or what mystery I'd like them to solve, uh, I think the uh, the Springfield mystery spot. <laughs> Try to get Oz, <laughs> Ozzy Smith out of that. Out of that yeah, pitch. I don't think Ozzy Smith ever got uh, got out of that. Although he, he yeah, got probably there. he probably got some nice pictures though while he was falling. <laughs> Ooh, <neat. laughs> uh, 
Uh, both good answers. My answers for this are, first of all, my favorite is Bad Blood. Maybe followed by, I like Triangle. Uh, that You know, the kind of one where Mulder goes back in time and everybody's either a Nazi or like a spy. That's really fun. I like the fun X-Files ones. But I also like Clyde Bruckman's Final Repros with um, What's-His-Face from Young Frankenstein and Everybody Loves Raymond. I can't remember his name. Crap. I don't know. But no, (laughs) no, no, the dad. Uh, Okay. Uh, Frank Costanza. No, (laughs) no, not Jerry Stiller. (laughs) Hang on a second. Now I have to look up his, hang on. Clyde Bruckman's, hang on. Final, hang on a second. This is going to, I'm going to make you guys wait. I'm going to make all ten people listening to this wait until I can figure out who the heck this person is. Ten. Uh, in the meantime. Up. What? I said ten. Our numbers are up. Yeah. And <laughs> in the meantime, the mystery that I would like them to solve is my favorite internet video, which is, of course, uh, the Rainbow Sprinkler Conspiracy. Right? Yeah. Where, uh, <laughs> where someone claims that they're putting... Uh, I quote, metallicalized salts in our drinking water supply, which is causing rainbows to appear uh, in sprinklers. So I want them to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, Peter Boyle is the name of Clyde oh, Bruckman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. Yeah, so I, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, it Repose is a very excellent episode uh, to go along with Triangle and Bad Blood. Yeah, um, I also both, like the one with uh, with Brian Cranston in it. That name escapes me right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he's like he, he keeps hearing things. Yeah, that one's really good. That one's really good. I enjoy that one. Uh, man, go watch the X Files, guys. The X Files is a great, great show. And you know what else is a great, great show? The Eleven Dubcast. Yes, we are. We're going a little regular uh, starting now. So we will have one after the spring game, and then it will be monthly after that. But we'll still accept all Ask Us Anything questions, and we'll still be you know a little bit on Twitter and, and telling you guys what's up. So please keep writing in, and, and please keep listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm John Ginner. I'm Michael Citro. Keep those cards and letters coming. Yeah, peace out. <laughs>